This is Great Disturbances, a Star Wars podcast. Each week, hosts Rich and Paul discuss Star Wars media, no matter what form it takes. All right, this is the Great Disturbances podcast, a Star Wars podcast. I am Rich. I am Paul. Is Paul. And today we're going to talk about a couple or three stories from an anthology that came out. I want to say it was 2017. I can look it up here, but it's called From a Certain Point of View, obviously taken from Obi-Wan's line uh, in Return of the Jedi, where he's like, I totally told you the truth. If you look at it this way, if you look at it from a liar standpoint, I totally right. know the truth. <laughs> okay, this makes sense. It's a 40th anniversary of Star Wars, and I shouldn't have had to even look that up, but it came out in 2017, so it's about three years old. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of stories in this. There's 40 stories. Well, I, we 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 had talked the last time we 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 recorded. We were talking about how we kind of still wanted to stay in that New Hope era. Yeah. Right. Kind of in that same vicinity yeah how are you feeling about that are you still feeling like so i you know what i'm thinking is that like because i read more than the three right i read a bunch of other well i I read a few of the other stories in this anthology and i was realizing as i was doing it i was like okay i think my tank is starting to get full of this little slice in time gotcha so another like of course, uh, of course, I want to do this episode with this stuff. Right. But by the time we're deciding the next stuff, we should think about where's the next branch going to go. Right. I think. Anyway. Cool. I think we're on the same page there because I kind of have the same. I kind of have the same feeling where, like, yeah. okay, so there's a ton of stuff that we could read or look at uh, pertaining to Obi Wan, pertaining to you know, well, like Aldron in one of these in one of the stories that we're going to talk about. And, and all the, the, the minutiae of what was going on behind the scenes of A New Hope. But I think that I think that because this doesn't have like necessarily an end in sight as far as this as far as the show goes, I think that we can we can kind of set that aside and because there's so much more to Star Wars than just A New Hope, we can yeah. we can start to like you said branch out a little bit there. Well, and the, the branching is nice too because even from the things that we have. So, so episode one, our episode one, right. we did A New Hope, and right. that, of course, as a film, is stuck in a moment in time, right? But then right. episode two, we did the Infinities uh, series, which right. was written in the 2000s. Right. And then this book is written, or the pieces are written somewhere around 2017. And right. all of these pieces have access to information that A New Hope, the film, did not have. right. And by the way, they call out to other things as well. So it's it's okay. Obviously, it's okay. We're making the rules. Of course, it's fucking right. okay. We make the rules. But it's okay <laughs> to do that branching because the material that we're going through is already doing the branching. It's right. already doing the call outs and the drawing from and that kind of stuff. Good thought. I like that. Yeah, you're right. It is because, well, like you said, they do all they do those call outs. They, there's stuff that they reference that wasn't even a twinkle in George uh, Lucas's eye right? Um, or, or Disney's eye <laughs> in some cases. It wasn't a twinkle in Michael Eisner's pocketbook. <laughs> or whoever's running Disney now. Who's running Disney oh, yeah. now? Wait, no, Michael it's not him. God damn, I'm old. Uh, Can't be Michael Eisner. It's uh, whoever. Whatever. Anyway, he made they, some white dude richer, right? Bob Iger, is that it? 
Oh, yeah, you're right. I think maybe yeah. you're right. Or maybe he maybe he stepped down recently. I, I mean, don't it I'm, doesn't I'm, matter to me. I'm literally sitting in front of two computers where I could look this up right now, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to leave it for posterity that we did <laughs> not know for sure who the CEO of Disney was. We didn't prepare that information. We didn't prepare. It wasn't in my show notes for this episode. <laughs> no, all I put in my show notes were like actual notes about the stuff that we read. So Yeah, me too. Whatever. So, um, do we want to talk? I mean, I don't know. I I think a lot of people were familiar with Star Wars, the original. Yeah. I think a lot of people, we, when we, when we talked about Infinities, we talked a little bit about like how things kind of branched out when there was yeah. that break point. Yeah. Do we want to kind of talk about the plot of each of these stories? Yeah, so I as think we go so. into it. Okay. I think so. And actually, it's probably okay too because it won't take that much time. Right. Because these are a short stories, but b the short stories also they carry to me the ones that we read they carry more character than they do plot. Yes. You yeah. know. Absolutely. So anyway, so yes, let's pick one. How about okay. Master and Apprentice? Master and Apprentice. Okay, so Master and Apprentice takes place during Obi Wan's stay on Tatooine, but it's after he meets Luke again, or after Luke meets him, I guess again, mm-hmm. and it's actually taking place during the time that that they're like burning the Jawa bodies while Luke yeah. is off going after um, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, and basically it's him communing with Qui Gon. And and it's it's kind of from Qui Gon's perspective, really. And yeah, and which I thought actually that was I thought cool. was that, that yes, I thought that was really cool. How it was really cool. How and you probably wrote this down, but I'm just gonna steal your thunder right now. Go man, go ahead. No. How Qui Gon, as he sort of materializes out of the Force. Yep. Like his name is the thing that that is the focal thing that pulls him out of the Force. Right. Or, or pulls pulls the Qui Gonness out of the great river of the force or whatever you want to call it. Right. Right. Yeah. Because until yeah. then he's, he's sort of subsumed in the hive mind of the force or whatever. And right. then as, as Obi-Wan is sort of reaching out to commune with him, Qui-Gon is the, is the key phrase that solidifies him back to like a single moment in time versus oneness with all or whatever the, whatever it's like to be with the force, you know? Right. One of the, I think that was what you're hitting on there is something that I really appreciated about this story is how they kind of give you an idea of what the force really is. Uh, like you said, it's kind of this like oneness, but it's also timelessness. Like he sees the beginning and he sees the end all at the same time, kind of, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, he, he says to Obi-Wan, I'll see you soon or something like that. Right, right. right. Which is like, Obi-Wan thinks, yeah, yeah, I'm going to call you, I'll call you back, bro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but Qui-Gon knows, no, no, no. You're you're coming to visit. We're having drinks together, you know. <laughs> We're gonna go have some of that blue milk. <laughs> blue force milk, though it's gonna blue be force milk. Yeah. Force yeah. Milk. yeah. <laughs> now it's gonna be force. Now it's gonna be force everything instead of space everything. Didn't we like preface everything with space last episode or something? Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah. yeah. This this time it'll be force whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. So force factoid then. Because I had this written down as space factoid, but I really like force factoid better. <laughs> so uh, the author of this story, Master and Apprentice, is Claudia Gray. And Claudia Gray will later pen a novel. I don't know if actually it was later or if it was before. Hang on. She wrote a novel, a full-on novel called Master and Apprentice. And oddly enough, 
it's about Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So there's like this. Because huh. I'll tell you what, I think uh, out of the shit soup that is the prequel trilogy, yeah. Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are some of the strongest things there. Yeah. Okay, so it was it was uh, two years after this anthology. So, but but it doesn't matter because it's all part of the force, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's neither it's neither before nor after. It is it just it is, is simply yeah. simultaneous with every other event. Right. Ever. Right. Yeah. Right. So I guess that uh, I just I thought that was cool, but I also I was I was like, okay, so is this? It makes me want to go and read that novel because I want to yeah. know if there's some sort of connection to this story within that novel obviously up besides the obvious it being you know obi-wan and qui-gon so basically this one and the other obi-wan centric story time of death really deal with that concept of the force as like a persistence versus a moment in time and i think what you had said was you know the name brings qui-gon out of that 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 stew or whatever yeah and so this force manifestation, this force ghost manifestation that Yoda even mentions at first, and I think it was Revenge of the Sith, right? That he says, you know, I, I, I'm going to teach you how to commune with, with Qui-Gon right. um, so that you can do that on your exile and you won't be alone, right? I imagine that, you know, being one with the force, you don't necessarily have any real need to come back to existing, uh, this plane of existence, right? Right, yeah. So it's the person bringing you back. It's Obi-Wan bringing Qui-Gon back or Luke bringing Obi-Wan back or Luke bringing Yoda back or Yoda wow. showing up to fuck with Luke, which I love that part in that movie oh, in The Last Jedi. That's so one of my favorite parts. Yep. And he drops some Yoda wisdom. The uh, we are with what they grow beyond mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. like that is that's some classic Yoda shit oh, right there. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, anyway <laughs> I digress. It gives you a different idea of the force, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about it, you know, I think about it as like it's between all living things like Obi-Wan describes it, you know. Yeah. But really what it is, is every like Yoda said, life creates it, makes it grow. Right. So you becoming one with the forest just makes the forest that much bigger. And you be it, like you said, it's like a hive mind. Right. It's it's like the Borg, if I'm allowed to cross stars. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, okay, no, I'm there, because I love the Borg, too. Okay, it's kind of like the Borg, where, like, the Borg aren't individuals. The Borg are one, right? Yeah. With the exception yeah. of a few, right? So I get, the, I get the feeling reading this story that the Force is not an... In, there's no individual or individuality in the Force. So I'm wondering, this is one of my questions I have for you. Yeah. Do you think that the Force ghost that appeared to Obi-Wan as Qui-Gon... And the oh. Force Ghost that appeared to Luke as Obi Wan and the oh my God, dude. Luke as Yoda, all the same thing. Oh my God, dude, this is this is an interesting this is an interesting thing you pose here because then it's almost like then it's and I'm and I'm I think so far I'm like fucking loving it because I kind of I kind of saw where you were going there. The so that almost becomes this idea like if let's say that you know in A New Hope when Obi Wan is like let go you know use you know, use your feelings or whatever to, to make the shot, mm-hmm. to make the shot to, to kill the Death Star. Right. So the the question is almost like, did Luke yank Obi-Wan out of the Force, or did did the Force manifest Obi-Wan just as 
the thing that Luke needed in that moment to do what he needed to do. Right. You know what I mean? Like, is that was that voice really Obi Wan, or was it Luke, like sort of tugging on the Force to mm-hmm. give him what he needed? You know. And the Force, the Force responding with something that's familiar to him too. Yeah. He the knows force, Ben. He yeah. respects like Ben. Like the Force. Exactly. So and so you're blowing my mind because then then think about, you know, like when at the end of Return of the Jedi, when like Obi-Wan and Anakin and Yoda all appear to Luke, is that those individualities popping back up out of the force or is it Luke sort of running his fingers through the force and the force giving him back kind of the things he needed, whether or not it's actually Yoda and Obi-Wan and Anakin you know, whether it's their individual consciousnesses that have survived the the process of going and becoming one with the force. Right. Um, which also kind of is, is an interesting question, too. Like in Star Wars cosmology, you would almost think just by watching the movies and the way Yoda talks that only the big time force users get to sort of become part of that force afterlife almost. Right. But, yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, he does. He, that, it, it's it's kind of. A foregone conclusion if you watch like any of the other movies like even even i don't want to bring up episode two but i'm gonna but like in episode two all those dead jedi they don't just bleep, flip into the forest yeah right? so like is it that you as as a person when you're alive and sort of separate from the force for whatever that might mean is it you making such an effect on other people that there's enough left of you for that person to draw it back out of the force. You know what I mean? Like, did Yoda have such an impression on Luke and did Obi-Wan have such an impression on Luke that Luke's ability with the force was able to sort of ask the force clearly and distinctly for those things, subconsciously ask the force for those things. And since he was so connected to the force, the force could respond with, like a thing that whether or not it was actually Obi-Wan's spirit, it was a good enough assimile based on Luke's connection to the force while still alive. That is a fascinating concept. Because, because, yeah, because Obi-Wan left enough of himself in Luke. (laughs) Before he, I O before he, (laughs) before he, before he raised the saber and Vader cut him down, you know? Oh, (laughs) Oh well, I mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe he dig, maybe Vader digs that kind of stuff in battle. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> dude, that's I, a dude. That is a seriously great question and a seriously great perspective. Because I, I thought about it too as I was reading it. I was like, how would you even want to sort of emerge back out of the Force if it's this, if it's this amazing and entirely different, incredible thing, and you sort of lose yourself so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that even mean? But maybe this perspective that you just proposed here is like an, an alternative thought on that. And I really like that. I really like that. Okay. So let me, let me follow that up then. I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead to return Dude, of the Jedi here. Blow my mind, bro. <laughs> Do it. Okay. So let's, let's talk about Anakin then just in general. All Spoiler right. alert. He is Luke's dad. Anyway, um, fucking <laughs> blew your minds, didn't I? All two of you that are listening. Okay, so Anakin, right? He he's a cute little kid that can't act real well, or acts as well <laughs> as a kid can act, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then he grows up to be a petulant teenager, and then he falls to the dark side. 
murders a ton of people, like a verifiable, oh, like an official. Right, yes. like if we were going by official metrics, this would be an official metric shit ton yeah. of people, right? Yes. Um, including younglings, including like little little baby Jedi kids, right? Just children, just murders children. Slaughtering yep. them, right? I mean, he kills everybody. He kills everybody he can get his hands on. And then proceeds to help the Emperor after Revenge of the Sith is over. He just proceeds to assist the Emperor in hunting down all of the people that he used to serve with on the Jedi Council, murdering all of them and whatever he can get his hands on, and killing yeah. everything on his way to them, right? Yeah. He pulls his son. He tries to get his son to come to the dark side. He tr- tries to get his son to come to the dark side. And then... He tries to give him to the Emperor. And it's only when the Emperor is shooting Luke up with that electric finger stuff. <laughs> sounds sounds better when you say it that way. All um, right. When he's force lightning the fuck out of Luke, it's only then that Vader's like, all right, look, enough of this shit. And picks him up and throws him down that little, apparently, just why would you have like a tube there? But anyway, yeah. throws him down that tube and, and he blows up, right? And that apparently is enough to forgive for the force to forgive decades of murder of and senseless slaughter. Right. Of, yeah. <laughs> right. So my question then is this, is the force neither good nor bad? And the light side and the dark side come from the user, not the force itself. That has always been kind of my, like I have, and I think we've discussed this. I have always kind of hated this fucking dark side stuff and light side stuff mm-hmm. in terms of like, you, you know, did you, did you ever play a uh, Knights of the old Republic? The, the yes. Yeah. Yep. And so you have your character screen and this like shows the levels you have and the powers you have and stuff. And as right. you make the good or bad choices, your guy literally like shrivels up into like a, <laughs> or he becomes this like paragon of right. like ramrod straight, spine kind of stuff shining in the light <laughs> or like eh, a quasimodo looking fucking dude in the in the red of of blood and death a paragon of ramrod straightness i love it yeah <laughs> that that always read to me is so that and the other times people talk about the dark side and so like heavy-handed ham-handed mm-hmm. so not nuanced mm-hmm. so un whatever like, like as soon as as soon as Anakin cuts off Mace Windu's arm and he gets blasted out the window, and now his uh, his eyes are like green or yellow or whatever, and he's like, uh, "I'm evil now." I, I fucking <laughs> hate that. I hate that. Yeah. Because it's as though like it's as though the dark side is just this like switch. Yep. That flips you to like comic villain, comical vaudevillian almost like just villain you know vaudevillian vaudevillian villain vaudevillian a vaudevillian yeah um that has no there's no nuance to it there's no anything to it i've just i've just always hated that part of the dark side so when you so your your question is is the force just the force you Mm -hmm. know that is the that is the thing that i have always kind of held to is that the force, just the force, because if the force is the light and the dark, the way that they sort of do it in the films, at least, mm-hmm. then the force sucks. 
<laughs> it just does. As a, it's it sucks. You know. There should be mass processes of there the force. Be, there's just it. it uh. Hey ho, the force must go. So this is this is one of those things where, to me, Last Jedi got it right for me. Mm-hmm. In sort of exploring, like Ray just kind of reaches out and touches the dark side and is like, "Is this for me? Like, what's this? I want to, like the the Jedi seem to be like." So help me God, my young Padawan, if you think about the dark side, I will fuck you up. You know what I mean? So, (laughs) you know, like, I will bring Yoda in here, and he will bitch slap you around for thinking a dark thought, you know? He's going to beat wholesale ass if you... Yeah. But but Rey, like, just, she just, she just is like, you know what, I'm going to go down this hole. I'm going to, like, I'm going to touch it. I'm going to think about it. And I'm going to ponder for myself what all of this stuff means. And I think, I think she kind of comes out of that, that little sequence. Yeah. More nuanced in the force for having done that. Sure. You know, yeah. and I just, I just think the way that the films do it is, I don't, I don't like that part of the films, the dark side part of the films. Right. It's very black side. and white, right? Very, I mean, it's so black and white. Mm-hmm. There's and no, was, there's, like, yeah. It's it's so black and white is that it in that it is it is comical to think that anybody would choose the dark side. <laughs> right. Because you're almost guaranteeing yourself that you'll have like a scarred face. Right. Or a prosthetic thing of some sort. You'll be just ugly as hell. <laughs> yeah. You know? Unless that appeals and, to you. <laughs> and then you're gonna have like discolored eyes and like Right. I don't know, just like be so clearly full of hate in an ugly way. Mm-hmm. Not in a nuanced way, but just like, oh, I choose the dark side. Now I'm full of hate. Right. <laughs> just generalized, like, bucket of hate that just right. sits in your soul or whatever. I, I right. don't know. It, to me, I, I choose to believe my head canon is the force is the force. And you, as the person touching it, using it, experiencing it, being part of it, that's what creates the Emperor versus Yoda or <laughs> Obi-Wan versus, you know, Darth Maul or whatever. That's what creates that distinction. So someone's virtue or lack thereof Someone, is... Someone's virtue or lack thereof okay. gets you there. Just not like some ham-handed choice in a moment. Not some... <laughs> I don't know. Just not... Yeah. Not like a switch. You can't just switch it on. Not a switch. Yeah. Just, it just feels too switchy to me. So then does that does that just destroy all of Anakin's arc for you then? I mean, because he switches it, and then he switches it again. So... I kind of view this stuff a little bit holistically in terms of like, I can love the story and the characters while mm-hmm. still thinking that some part of it is bullshit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree with that. So yep. like I, I, I can, I can still love star Wars, even though the dark side is bullshit, yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. to me, right. Um, or, or the way that they, they do the dark side or whatever that means just feels so dumb to me. I can right. still love star Wars. I can still love thinking about Anakin Skywalker. And by the way, any, any sort of like fiction like this, or like, did I, I must've showed you that blog, the Darth side, Mm-mm, right? No, nope. I, 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 I don't I, think this so. Years ago, I'll send you oh. a link or whatever. Um, it is, it is the journal of Darth Vader in the, like the weeks leading up to the return of the Jedi story. And, and yeah. in this, it's, it's not, it's not sanctioned by Lucasfilm or anything like that. Just a guy writing a pretend blog that he is Darth Vader and 
this guy fleshes out enough pieces that you believe that Vader will choose to toss Sheev in the shaft <laughs> at the end before the movie even starts based on, well, and I mean, the blog happens kind of during the movie too, but you believe this thing, this stuff, which leads me to my question for you, actually, this stuff gives it so much more nuance and depth, but because, so let me just jump to my question for you, because my question for you is this book and these stories are these fan fiction? Ooh. Well, they're officially sanctioned by Lucasfilm. So I don't think that they're fan fiction. Okay. There are some people that would argue that anything uh, after the Disney buyout is fan fiction. <laughs> right. I don't agree. There's good and bad in everything. There was good sure. and bad when George Lucas was handling it. Look at the Ewoks. I mean, are you actually, are you asking me objectively or are you asking my opinion of it? Uh, well, I guess it's kind of your opinion, right? Because okay. like it's because I mean like to me the nature of fiction is that it is made up anyway. <laughs> so if you don't like Batman: The Dark Knight Returns right. by Frank Miller, right. then just fucking ignore it in your exactly yeah. head canon of Batman, right? Exactly. Yes, I love it. So yeah. just like don't get your undies in a bundle and like go yell at people online. Just ignore it. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. This where's that, the fun that in that though? <laughs> that bugs me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I was thinking about this as it relates to – this relates to what you just said, right? I think that I'm pretty annoyed with the fan base of Star Wars right now. Uh, yeah. Like, I love Star Wars, okay? Unequivocally, I love Star Wars. Mm. There is, There are things that I, I really, really like about it. There are things that I really, really hate about it. But I love Star Wars in general, right? Mm. There's probably – I mean, there's 40 stories in here I've read about. A quarter of them, I probably liked half of what I read. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that the others don't hold merit for someone else. This is the thing that, like you said, these guys, they, and I'm saying guys because it's mostly guys, they go out online and they just start raging about whatever it may be, right? Yeah. When it when it when a, when Force Awakens came out, it was a black stormtrooper for Christ's sake. That's what their problem was. Stormtroopers Jesus. can't be black. What? Okay. Jesus. Explain to me why stormtroopers can't be black. Well, because be, be, they're it clones is, of Boba the, Fett. The the whole thing is made up. The whole <laughs> thing. It is not a documentary. Of course, a stormtrooper can be black because the writer fucking said a stormtrooper can be black. So just fucking deal with it. Jesus. There it is. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so this is where I have a problem with like fandom in general. And I'm not talking about specific people. I think, I think when you, when you talk to individuals, just like with anything else, when you talk to individuals, you can have a rational conversation with them, but the fan base is largely online and the internet trades in anonymity, right? So these people feel protected in, in having these, kind of vile opinions about stuff and forcing it down people's throats. Right. Yeah, no, here, here's my, here's, here, here's a, here's a hot topical take for us. Is oh that, <laughs> um, like if you were, if you were an internet fan of something and yeah. you're spewing hate, you have joined the dark side. Oh, look at that. You are a fucking, you are butthole or something. <laughs> We might have to, I don't know, but I just uh, let's go into a whole different world right there. 
<laughs> which honestly we could probably still discuss i mean it, this is this is anything and everything star wars right so we could talk about unauthorized like star wars <laughs> porn if we wanted to <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that, that's you know what let's do that for season two of the podcast is season two Star Wars porn yeah so that way when our wives walk in on us watching <laughs> Star Wars porn they're like what the fuck are you doing I'm doing research for the podcast for the podcast it's for the podcast can you close the door honey um <laughs> <laughs> fuck I forgot where we where the question was there. Okay, so I asked, I asked you, is, is this fan fiction? Oh, is it fan fiction? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. I, I think that, like you, I'll take what I want out of this, and that'll be yeah. my headcanon, and, and the rest of it. I don't know if I'd relegate it to fan fiction, but I'd, I'd call it inconsequential, you know? Like, mm-hmm. something that doesn't necessarily matter to me, you know? Like yeah. there was one that there was one that I read, and I'm not I'm not trying to insult people. Was it End of Watch? I think it was End of Watch. Yeah, it was End of Watch. Bored me to tears. I'll never go back and read it again. But it's basically like uh, Commander Pummel Pole. Mm. Yeah, someone on the Death Star and the during the uh, oh, Millennium the Falcon. Star, yeah, right. During yeah. the Millennium Falcon's like stay there, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was just boring. It didn't. It didn't do anything for me. So that one, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna consider that headcanon. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but you know, I read um, Ramus, the first one. I thought that was good. And then I read uh, the one by Pablo Hidalgo. That was. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember the name of it right now. But it was good. Verge of Greatness. It was all about uh, Tarkin and um, what's his face from Rogue One, and and their oh, little their little yeah. tiff. Little mm-hmm. tiffs and such, but anyway. So yeah, I mean, I, I I say I wouldn't really get any of it to fan fiction, but I would say that there are things that I would not have as part of my headcanon. How about you? What do you think of it? Um. So you know, it's interesting that you took like you took a sort of a pejorative tone about fan fiction, mm-hmm. right? Because because uh, I, I I wasn't even trying to sort of slant one way or the other about whether fan fiction is good or not. So for me, I think this is fan fiction in the most positive way. Okay. In other words, it's people who are I, I think that you and I have like 40 kindred spirits in the authors of these stories or maybe I think there are fewer than 40 authors. There's however many authors for cuz some of the authors did more than one story. But and overachievers. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, well, look at you. <laughs> well, special, um, I wrote two stories. <laughs> um, it's, it's I think it's fan fiction in the most positive way in that it's it comes from a place of love trying to sort of gently, I don't know if correct is the right word or like gently flesh out the things that they thought weren't as as done as they could be. So I'll take okay. the example of for me, for me, I loved the third one we picked, Eclipse. Oh yeah. I loved that one because, like in the film, A New Hope, mm-hmm. all you see of Alderaan is it blowing up. Right. Eclipse takes humans and whatever other droids and whatever else who are on the planet, right. and it gives you a few pages of like this pure terror of yes. this moon-sized thing blocking out the sun. Holy and then fuck. like and then the, the the like the lava geysers that shoot up 
when the yes. super laser hits the world and like things are crumbling and and Bale and Breha have time for one last embrace to say right. things to each other. And it's and like in my head it was terrifying. Yes. Think about the experience of that. And like that's what one of the things because so many of these movies have or movies and or the other fiction have these like planet destroying events. Yeah. That are not as well I think they're not as terrifying as they could be. Right. Because they should be it should be terrifying. This yeah. this little this little vignette here or some part of it would have made a great addition to a new hope. Right. Because it should take be Take out take out the Jabba scene and put yeah, this <laughs> put this in put this or something like this in there because because right. this like it is it is a vile act of evil for Moff Tarkin to be like you may fire when ready you know right. and to destroy a planet full of full of sentient beings and and this this story makes that real makes oh, yeah. that terrifying and powerful yes. and I think this the the author uh, let's see Madeline Rue Madeline Rue did a did a service to A New Hope in making it so terrifying and oh, yeah. so real yeah, and whatever agree. to yeah. do that. And I think and I think that that for me that's what makes the like the positive part of fan fiction is that clearly this this author Madeline Rue loves Star Wars and then right. just added her little dollop of whatever that to me now I'm this is just like what I said before. I'm taking this dollop of whatever and I'm putting it into a new hope. Next time I see a new hope, I will think about this story when Alderaan is in the viewport of the Death Star. Oh Lord, yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely, yes, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think what that story does really effectively is it gives you you know, the serenity at the beginning. Right. I mean, Bale's coming home and there's that anticipation and 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 all of the all of the build up to the point where he has to tell her that the Tantive has been destroyed and the presumption is that Leia is lost. And then there's 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 a loss of hope and then a a renewed hope a little bit because she she just won't accept that. She's like, well, obviously she's gotten out. Right. And dude, dude, literally in my notes. As I was reading this, when Bale tells Breha that the Tentive has been destroyed, I typed down, I said, this means that they die, because I figured that this was going to be, you know, uh, Alderaan blowing up. I said, this means that they die thinking Leia had died. Yes. That was what I typed down. But then, by the end of the story, they are grasping each other and they're saying she made it out. They're, They're whispering to each other these moments of hope. Like right. for them, that's the new hope that yep. they have is even though the super lasers are destroying their world, mm-hmm. they're saying without evidence, without anything, she lives. She made it right. out. Right. I would know if she was gone. She lives. I love like, that line. That I, I love. I love it. Yes. Um. And so I, <laughs> it, like, it's the key point of the whole thing. And I thought it was. I thought it, it was so well done. This stuff in this book is the best examples of fan fiction that create a fuller and better piece of art out of the original piece of art. I can get behind that. Um, and I did not mean to disparage fan fiction. I've written fan fiction, but yeah. I didn't intend to come off that way. I am not snooty about fan fiction at all. Right, right, um, right. While we're on Eclipse, 
Yeah. I want to go to that last line. It says, the mountains rose up, folding toward them, swallowing them whole. She felt her husband's warmth, his breath on her neck, then the scent of ash and smoke, and in the next moment, oblivion. I fucking love that. I love That's the way this ends. so great, man. Yes. This story ends with a gut punch, like nobody's business. I <laughs> just... Because because you're on this, I mean, it's like a little mini roller coaster. Like it's like yeah. the like the roller coaster at the Mall of America, right? Where you're kind of up and down, up and down, and it's it's not like terrifying until the very end when you realize that it was put together by carnies and it could kill you. Um, <laughs> so much like that, this this story is is kind of up and down, up and down, and then eventually it's both. Like you said, there's that hope. Yeah. They know that they know that she's alive, even as they're dying. But yeah, that was man, that was a that was a hell of a pull. That was your choice, man. That was a good one. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Way better than the one that I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to mention the one that I had in mind because I don't want to disparage anyone. But um, yeah, the one that I had in mind was was way worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, now and I'm not trying to. I'm, I don't want to be. Oh, you're going to be that fucking guy, aren't you? God no, no, don't don't <laughs> don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> But as I was <laughs> as I was reading through that that story, I was like, I can see why Paul picked this because you yeah. you're a fan of like open world games, right? Where where you can dig into like the little stuff and and learn like a little bit about everything, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what this felt like to me. This felt like okay, we're we're digging at this like one little moment. Really, it, it's it's a it's a flash in the pan in the in the movie. But this became something so real and so dude, lush. Dude, yeah. you just brought up games, and that's it's actually you like good pull from that because um, <laughs> as soon as you said that, I immediately thought of Fallout. And when that's you where I was going with Fallout, it. Fallout, and you read the little stories on the computers. Yep. That are still running. God, I love that shit. I know. Damn. Yeah. Good call, dude. Okay. So then, okay. So we just kind of talked about Eclipse. So I think we just covered two of the three stories. <laughs> right. So let's talk about the time of death story. Yeah. And this one is like, this one is, um, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I really loved this one too. Another example of positive, positive power of fan fiction. Because right. to me, so in, in this story, it is kind of, it kind of bounces around time-wise for Obi-Wan Kenobi, but sort of ends with Obi-Wan's decision to let Vader cut him down. Right. On the battle on the Death Star. But it but it kind of bounces around a little bit here and there. And I I loved it too because this this one here gave me an interesting take on a couple things, but one thing especially was the the take at the end when, at the end of their duel mm-hmm. when Obi Wan says if you strike me down I'll become more powerful than you possibly imagine this this story's take on that moment is that Obi Wan didn't was not saying that because he thought he could become a Force ghost and continue to influence things mm-hmm. this story's take is that Obi Wan's motivation was I need to distract Darth Vader so this kid can get out of here yes yeah I love right? that. So, yep. like, it didn't quite have this, like, mystic, wizardly sense of this stuff. It had a sense of, like, I'm doing this to give this kid, who I dedicated the the second half of my life to protecting, right. to give him the time to get out of here. 
And it, and I mean, it turns out it's one of those sort of Oracle moments that turns out to be true right. in a sense, but like for this, for this writer in this moment, it was not what he meant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What I really liked about this is, you know, it bounces back and forth a lot, but it gives you a little bit of a glimpse into Obi-Wan. And we've talked about this Obi-Wan's time on Tatooine when we don't see him right between Sith and, yeah. and a new hope. And I loved that he would carve these spaceships for, for Luke. Luke and yes. leave them. And in fact, that the thing that he's playing with in A New Hope is actually something that Obi-Wan created for him. Yeah. I I, I love that little That's bit. That's so cool. It's I know. So great. And, and you get to see Owen's reaction to Obi-Wan, even though Obi-Wan yeah. is kind of there to kind of fend off that, was it a raider attack or something like that? Yeah. So I, I really appreciated that we kind of got a little more depth to that. But what I really love about this story is the fact that it takes place in a moment. Uh, the, way I, the way I read it, the way it reads to me, is mm-hmm. it takes place, this whole thing, everything from the very first word to the very last word takes place at the moment that that Ben puts his saber up and allows Vader to cut into him. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, to me, also lends itself to this whole idea that the Force is never-ending. There is no beginning, there is no end. He is, at the same time as being alive, he is now one with the Force, too. Yeah. He's kind of Schrodinger's Jedi. <laughs> but... He he exists in all of these different moments, and he says, and I, and the way that the, the reason that I read it this way is that he says, I'm I'm here, I'm this, I'm this, I'm over here, and it's all like kind of following one right after another, and then he said, and he ends it with, you know, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead, I'm gonna show Luke how to do all this stuff, you know, we have all the time in the world, right? And it's true because time to the Force isn't a thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, this, I, one, I just, this one dovetails nicely with yes. Master and Apprentice yep. for that timelessness quality to it. Yep, but absolutely. also, as like, I'm so glad we did this. I'm so glad we're doing this podcast because that that question you posed earlier about is Obi-Wan emerging from the Force or is mm-hmm. Luke drawing Obi-Wan, uh, some, some sort of facsimile of Obi-Wan out of himself from the Force? Right. Well, if we take that to be also like... So that the, one of the ways to live on in the force is to give yourself to other people mm-hmm. to such a degree that they can then conjure you, whether it's you or not, out of the right. force. Right. Well, as Obi-Wan closes in on that moment where he's deciding to put up his saber to, to just be cut down, like he is giving himself fully to Luke in that moment. And so he is, in that moment, touching a deeper part of the force than he's ever touched. Because he's giving himself to Luke, he's he's understanding that he is part of something larger, and mm-hmm. so in that moment, as he touches more and more of the Force, the Force's timelessness then is seeping into him as well. It's preempting almost, like he's becoming one with the Force before he becomes one with the Force. Right. You know what I mean? Like his ability yep. to to look at all those moments in that moment is because. He didn't give himself, he didn't become one with the Force when the blade cut him down. He became one with the Force when he decided to let the blade cut him down. Mm, okay. And then he had that, so then he had that gap of, when he made the decision, that's the moment he's going to, he's leaking into the Force already at that moment. And that's when he can touch the timeless nature of the Force to look back on the things in his life 
and forward to things that might happen and all these kind of stuff. Since he has given himself to that, he gets a sneak peek before his body is even cut down. That is you fucking know? fantastic. That yeah. that holy shit, dude. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. And this Absolutely. is why, by the way, I'm so <laughs> glad that these three stories are the stories that we did for this because yeah. just these three stories, not even, and I, I read a couple other ones that were pretty good too, mm-hmm. but just these three, they have changed my perception of a new hope and yes. I have I, a new hope is now a different movie to me, Fuck, but no, not, okay. not like entirely different, but it's a different movie and sure. in a good way, you know? Okay. Do you know what I love about that? I love that that we kind of talked about it right at the beginning that we were kind of feeling like we were kind of getting to the end of being in this new hope bubble. Yeah. Like these three stories changing your perspective on that film is exactly a exactly the type of moment that you want to be like, okay, we can set this aside now. It's it, yeah, it's a like it's a very button-up kind of like it's yeah. a very shit, god. Dude, this is meta. This is meta as hell, man. God. <laughs> Oof. I, I know. I need like a cigarette from this podcast now. This was this was <laughs> just this is intense. <laughs> but I, but in a good way. But I I liked yeah. it because I liked it because especially this episode I liked I have enjoyed because I I am emerging from it with a different piece of art now in my mind. Yes. You know. Okay, so I, I hope we're not like setting ourselves up for disappointment <laughs> with the other stuff, you know? I, like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I just wanted to like one of the moments that I loved in in Time of Death is that when he smiles at Vader, he does that like specifically to fuck with him. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he says like he says something like I can't I I don't know what he's I don't know what he's gonna make of this, but I'm gonna give him a, I'm gonna give him a little win. <laughs> It's yeah. like, oh yes, I fucking love Obi Wan Kenobi. Yes, I do. He's a he's a yeah. I think we talked about this where he is he is probably he's kind of the linchpin, right? I mean, Obi Wan Kenobi is. I, I made a note about this in Master and Apprentice is that yeah. many of the time there are several times where Qui Gon kind of goes on a little bit about how great Obi Wan is as a Jedi for you know for holding on to himself through those decades in the desert and that kind of stuff right. and i and i wrote down to myself this must be true surely obi-wan kenobi is one of the greatest jedi to ever live yeah because he's like he's the linchpin of all the stuff yeah. at least the first six films at least obi-wan right. kenobi is vital to everything that happens in the first six films do you know what i i find myself thinking about now and i don't want this to be taken the wrong way but i wish that there was some kind of a linchpin for the last three films. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah. this is not to say that I don't enjoy the last three films. I, sure, I do. Sure. I enjoy them. Yep. But to a lesser degree than the originals and to a lesser degree than the, the prequels, with the exception of, I think, The Last Jedi. I think The Last Jedi is the high point for me. I wish there was a little bit more at stake. Yeah. You know? A little bit more of a reason yeah. behind stuff. Yeah. Uh, it felt like a bit yeah. of a cop out in at the end to be like, oh, it was Palpatine the whole time, way, you know. Yeah. Like, it really. Eh, all right. I yeah. wish they would have just taken like Ryan Johnson's lead and just kind of gone with it and explored more of because it doesn't have to be about oh, there's a super star destroyer or uh, you know a new uh, planet killer or you know a bunch of star destroyers that have planet killers. Yeah. It doesn't have to be about that. It could just be about 
what does it mean to be a force user? You know? Yeah. Or what does it mean to be in the rebellion? Like what are what are you rebelling against and what are you for? There was there were bits of that in Last Jedi. Yes, yes, that were were, like this is why we're doing the rebellion. But also as I just realized too, that 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 Luke's Luke's swan song in Last Jedi is a great mirror for Ben Kenobi's swan song in in uh, A New Hope. Yeah. And I hadn't really thought about that. Because I thought I thought Luke's act stood on its own very well. But mm-hmm. I never, I never, I didn't fully grasp the call out to Obi Wan Kenobi in in the same sense because Luke knows that the strain is going to kill him. I think. Oh uh, yeah. And he still does it to protect other folks, and he's buying them time. You know all this kind of stuff. Uh, I think yeah, man, shit. Do you think Luke had a moment like Obi Wan had where he kind of like maybe had a little preview of what was going to happen and he was just kind of okay with it and that's why he disappeared and became one with the Force? I think so because. It kind of goes back to what I was saying. I think when Luke decided to do what he did, mm-hmm. he sort of opened a further gate to the Force than he had ever opened before. Mm. He opened a larger gate to the Force. Not so much in using the Force for this great feat, but for opening himself to the people he cared about and then giving them the chance to call him back from the Force in their own way. Whether right. it's him or not, right? But like he opens his own self to all of these other people in the moment. And if we take some of what they mean, like life creates the force, the force creates life. Like mm-hmm. him giving himself for other life is like one of the most force affirming things you can do with the force. Like then I can imagine that like he is he's sort of that's a new plateau for Luke right. in terms of connection to the force is those last moments of Last Jedi. And I, I love that it happens after years of cutting himself off from yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which, by the way, kind of mirrors Obi-Wan Kenobi, too. Right. In a sense. Even though Obi-Wan right. Kenobi didn't cut himself off from the Force, he was cut off from the galaxy. Right. You know? From yeah. the other Jedi, from everything yeah. new. I mean, yeah. off on a backwater planet somewhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Shit, there's a lot of parallels there. God. Mm-hmm. Fuck, dude. That was, yeah. Ooh. Okay. All right. So, so I had next. Well, hold on. I've got. I had one oh, last question for you. Bring it. And this is a general question about the force. We kind of ta- We kind of touched on it a little bit uh, when we were talking about dark side, light side, right? But how do you view the force? Now, what I mean by that is like some people equate it to Buddhism. Some people find Christianity in it. Is it like a mirror of what you feel personally? Is it an amalgam of a bunch of different things? Is it an anagram for something? Is it all of the above? What is the force to you? You know, I've almost kind of, I've, I've I started to kind of think of the force a little bit mm-hmm. as like the electromagnetic field. In other words, let's see. So light and X-rays and all those things are perturbations of the electromagnetic field, okay. right? But the field is always there. Okay. So, like, as as photons move through the electromagnetic field, it's not that the field didn't exist until the photon got there. The photon is a perturbation of that field. So I always thought of the force as, or I'm thinking of the force kind of as, like, people who can use the force or whatever are, like, switching on a light, and sending out photons into the electromagnetic field. Okay. 
But that doesn't mean that where there's no light, there's no electromagnetic field. It just means that no one has turned a light on there yet, or nothing has generated light there yet. In other words, I view the force as ubiquitous, as omnipresent through the whole of the galaxy or the universe or whatever. I view it as impersonal, so the force does not care whether you use it for good or ill. That that is kind of how I've thought thought about the force is that the force is almost kind of like a fundamental force of nature, kind of like how we have our forces of nature, electromagnetic field, strong and weak nuclear force, gravity, that kind of stuff. Gravity right. might be another way to put it. Is like gravity is everywhere, just pulling on you in different ways in different times. Right. 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 Sure. Yeah, anyway, so that that is kind of how I've thought of the force. Okay. Yeah. That is really fucking deep, dude. That's like way <laughs> deeper than like dude, for I'm, me. Dude, like I'm so deep. I'm like super deep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but how but how do you think about it? Well, okay. For me, I think of it as okay. So when I first encountered it, it was you know Obi Wan calling it an energy field that's created by all living things, right? Mm-hmm. He says, "Oh wait, is this a good time for you to do your Obi Wan impression?" Oh damn it! Okay, let's see. Come on, you gotta do. Uh, isn't this where <laughs> you, is, like, this is where you can do it, right? Yeah. Although I've been talking too much today, so it might not be as good. So, I mean. <laughs> Keep going. Give me a sec to like clear my throat here a little bit. Okay. Keep going. So yeah. So um, so I kind of think of it as you know an energy field that that that's created by everything, but also now after seeing like maybe the Last Jedi where they talk a bit about how it's the spaces in between everything that would be the binding part where he says it binds right. the galaxy together. Right. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's. I feel like to me that's what it would be, and 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 it, to me it equates more to say like a, like a Buddhist theory, right? Because mm-hmm. if you if you attain like uh, Nirvana, right? Like isn't that like the idea? You you're go, you're trying for Nirvana. You want to get to that, right? Where you're mm-hmm. you, you're you're no longer in the cycle of like you know coming back and trying to get it right. You now you're now you're now you're just you've ascended, right? So yeah, there is there is no you anymore. Right, right. So yeah. that's what that's what that kind of feels like to me. That's that's the way I kind of perceive it. Okay, okay. I like that too. And I'm See, I feel that, like that. I'm gonna mix <laughs> it in my head canon though. But okay, but give me a sec here. Let me try okay. my let me try my Obi Wan here. Oh yeah, yeah. Lay it on me. Obi Wan. There's a name I've not heard in a long time. Long time. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> but I didn't I didn't I forgot to work on it though. I got to get yeah. a video up and start like work on it. Yes. Damn. Oh my God. Yes. Damn. Do that. Fucking yes. need to work on that. Obi-Wan. Next time we talk Obi Wan, we need to we need to be able to to do that. I think. Well, I yes. don't know. I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you got me mumbling it now. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize to your wife as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would say this is a book that I'm going to return to. I, I want to read some more of the stories in this book. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever come back to it on on the show here, yeah. but sure, but sure. yeah, I don't know. How about you? Is that something yeah. that you're gonna, are For, you gonna? Yeah, this, this, I'm gonna I, I'm definitely gonna fill in the gaps here because there's like I said there were a couple other stories I read, but I'm gonna read more of them because I enjoyed many of the things in here. Ten four. All right. Well, I guess that's. Uh, That'll be it for this episode. Um, but we need to figure out, like you said, yeah. where we're going to go from, right? So yeah. what are you feeling? So I think well, we need to – I think I think for myself, I want to shift in Star Wars time away from A New Hope. 
Okay, I agree. It doesn't have to be far, right? But I want to shift away from it. Or it could be too. I mean, that's the thing. We could yeah. It could be very far. Okay. Because there's there's I mean there's the it's just (laughs) rich with stuff you know I mean I don't it is I'm just gonna throw out some dimensions that we could think about here. One dimension would be to look at the films or at least the chronology of the films right and move to somewhere else in the timeline and film wise. Okay. Another thing would be to look at the things that are not films and move to somewhere that is not near A New Hope in the other materials like comics, games, novels, etc. So that actually brings up, though, because we have, by your grace, we have (laughs) comiXology. Yes, unlimited. There's a, there's a unlimited, but I think right. for a limited time though, right? <laughs> so it's yeah, we, uh, unlimited stuff, but not an unlimited time. It was um, a 60 day. It's a 60 day trial because of the coronavirus. So oh, thanks, oh, coronavirus. Thanks, coronavirus. Yeah, thanks for so, killing all those people, but also giving us free Star Wars stories. <laughs> so what if we what if we move away story chronologically from A New Hope, and then we pick something in the comic world? Because we have that extra bit of access for the time being. Okay. All Does right. That sound, yes. I, I don't know. I don't have in front of me what there is there. Well, I just so happen to have a uh, a list. It's 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 six pages long though. So, <laughs> um, they have a graphic adaptation of the Thrawn trilogy, Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy. There's um, Obi Wan and Anakin, which is a uh, series of uh, like a five-issue series that talks about Obi-Wan and his young apprentice. There's a, they've got Darth Maul, son of Dathomir. They got a they got a veritable a veritable shit ton. They also have a Chewbacca uh, miniseries. Oh, they have the Star Wars. That's the one that we had talked about um, a, a while ago. They have Star Wars Thrawn. Maybe let's do the Thrawn trilogy comics. Oh. Okay. Or some part of, or some part of that, because that skips away chronologically. Okay. Um, and that takes advantage of both comic media and print media in terms of you know where stuff comes from, right? Oh sure, yeah. Um, yeah. so maybe let's do a couple of those. Okay. So the Thrawn trilogy is borrowable as a as just one gigantic graphic novel. It has Heir to the Empire one through six, Dark Force Rising one through six, and The Last Command one through six. Jesus. Okay. It's eighteen issues of stuff. Or do you want to do Heir to the Empire and start there? Let's do that. Okay. I think that's a I think that's good. Digesting yeah. eighteen issues into one thing <laughs> might be a bit tough, but let's do the Let's do the let's do the Air of the Empire ones. Okay, so yeah, the one hourish long podcast is probably not enough to, like you said, yeah, to uh, to do all that. Yeah, um, I like it. Okay. Let's do it. We're gonna do let's that. Do it. Okay, okay. Air of the Empire. Very good. So I, I have spoken, or we we have spoken. Sorry, we, we, have, spoken. we have spoken. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's uh, that'll be that's, it. So that's what we'll that, talk about next time. Yes, that uh, that wraps it up, please. All uh, right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Take care. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Great Disturbances. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can find us on Facebook by searching for at Great Disturbances and on Twitter at G Disturbances. See you later.